Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show, broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 15 years. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at tracyhotchnerpets.com. I'm also the founder and director of the annual New York Dog Film Festival, which travels the country supporting local animal welfare groups after a New York City premiere every October, alongside my annual New York Cat Film Festival, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's. This show would not be possible without the longtime support of Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food, remaining privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards. This show was also made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their cats. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, no hide, and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky Weimaran or Maisie will eat. It is always such a pleasure to talk to Dr. Doug Mater, my co-host, on Exotic Pets, our wonderful podcast together, but in particular about his great book, The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from Inner City Animal Hospital. Every time I pop it open to look for one of the great stories that we could talk about on the air, I'm always struck by how many great stories there are in the book. I, I hope that people will avail themselves of it. It's, it's truly a treat in a, a very modern, very funny way. Doug, I think one of the things that is an interesting topic in general, because, you know, I'm always trying to inspire people to do better by their pets, is the idea of annual exams, or as some animals get older, biannual, like every six months. And you have a great story in the book. We can talk about dogs, cats, but also some of the exotics and obviously avian and reptile it's a hu- and small mammals, whether it's bunnies or, or ferrets, is a, a way big topic for one conversation. But you cover it all. And can you just tell the story from the book about the football player who had many Pomeranians and, and, how, and how much he was devoted to their annual wellness exam, which so many people kind of blow off. Uh, thanks again, Tracy, for having me join you. And, and yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the importance of annual exams 
can't be understated. Um, you know, they, they, they talk about that in human health too. They're always saying, you know, we should go visit our doctor once a year just to get a good physical exam. And the old saying, you know, prevention is worth a, a million yes. pounds, right? So it's, it's so much easier to prevent or treat something when you catch it early than you wait till it's full blown disease. And it, it's kind of a negative self-fulfilling prophecy too. Oh, my, my dog's fine. My lizard's fine. My bird's fine. I don't need to go to the vet. And all of a sudden, they're not fine. And you go to the vet, and you realize, oh, my God, he's got an, a tumor. Yes. Shoot, had I caught that two months ago, he'd be cured, and he'd live another 50 years. You know, turtle. Or rotten, okay. yeah, or rotten yeah. teeth in, rotten a, in teeth. a dog. I don't know yeah, about right. some of the exotics in terms of things like teeth. But, I mean, the mouth is a place we never look in our pets. Yeah. So it's, it's so important to catch things early because you catch them early, there's a good chance. And let's, let's jump over to humans real quickly. You know, you go and you have an exam once a year and the doctor finds a little black mole on your back. Yes. My God, it's melanoma, but it's only three millimeters wide. They take it off and boom, you're cured. If you ignore it and you wait a couple, three years, now it's five millimeters wide or 10 millimeters wide. They can still take that off, but there's a darn good chance it's spread. Could be in, in your fact, bladder, there are, yeah, your brain could be your, you know, anywhere. It, it's it definitely can metastasize. I know a, a, a gentleman. I you live in Key West, and people sometimes that are snowbirds or retire to Florida, and they're out in the sun a lot, and you get a, a melanoma on your chest, and you don't deal with it externally, and it's in your lungs, and it kills you. So yeah. there, uh, I, I, there's also people speaking of humans who say, I don't go to the doctor every year. They just find something wrong with me. I'm fine yeah, until they find the thing wrong. I'm like, what? And That's people think idea. that about their pets, too. My dog is totally fine. My bird seems fine to me. So tell the story about the football player because it's very touching, his devotion to his enormous pack. Yeah, Mr. Rockwell was an amazing guy. He was. Uh, he played for the L.A. Rams. And just, he was enormous. He was probably 6'6". Six, six. I, I don't remember exactly, but he was a huge guy, solid muscle, not – you know, an ounce of body fat on right. him at all. And you think a big macho football player like that would be coming in with a Rottweiler or a Doberman Pinscher right. or a Pitbull or something, right? No. He came in, he had seven Pomeranians. My God. And each one of them had a little diamond necklace or oh, collar with man. their name engraved on it. And he drove a very fancy Jaguar. And the back seat of his Jaguar, he had custom built with seven little compartments. No. And so each, each, dog had its own little compartment with its name on it and when he had opened the door the dogs would jump in the car and they'd all go to their their own little compartment in the back seat it's so cool and then they had a little almost like a seat belt that went across the front of each one so he would open the door the dogs would jump in he would go back in and he'd strap them all in their little compartment so i mean he was he loved wow. those animals oh he loved them like children and so every year he would bring them in once a year for their annual exams and of course when we knew mr rockwell was coming in um, it was like, okay, let's just block off the whole morning for one doctor and a couple technicians. Cause for seven animals, it's going to take, it's going to take a full morning. But fortunately for him, money was never an issue. Uh, after he retired from football, he invested in McDonald's. So he had a whole string of McDonald's restaurants. Oh, no kidding. Go. Smart man. So he was very, very wealthy and he loved his animals and you know, he would do everything he could. And for him, it was really important to stay on top of things. So he brought them in once a year for their annual exams. 
and then he would bring them in for their annual dentals. And, and, and when he did his exams, he worked them up completely. He would do x-rays. He would do EKGs. No kidding. He did blood work. He did fecals. He did everything because he wanted to make sure that he kept them alive and healthy as long as possible. And that's the way to do it. And in, in the book, he's a recurring character because he's constantly coming in. And usually the problems that his dogs had were not diseases that were ignored or missed. They were accidents. Uh, one day, one of his dogs ate a, a battery, you know, like a yes. little nine volt battery. Yes. One day, uh, <laughs> it was a cute, cute, sad, funny story. Um, Valentine's Day, he bought his wife a box of chocolates, opened them up with a big card, put them on the dining room table, went to bring his wife in, the, in into the dining room, went out of the room, came back in. When he was back in, all seven dogs were on the table eating chocolate. Oh, and so, I mean, that was... Everything turned out all right, but after a huge vomit fest. Uh, <laughs> induced you know, vomiting. Yeah, induced vomiting. And, but then that then spread, of course, to the staff members because uh, it, it's one of the staff members was pregnant, so she was already kind of predisposed to morning sickness. So when the dog started to vomit, she vomited. Oh, Once my God. Vomits, Such that funny triggers stories. Other vomit, and so it was a big vomit fest. But everybody did fine. Everybody survived. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, he did have medical issues, but they were usually unexpected, accidental medical issues. He stayed on top of those animals, and he kept them healthy as they could be by coming in once a year for good exams. And you have to remember, too, that you know, for every year that you and I grow older, our pets grow, let's say a dog, approximately seven years older. You know, It changes based on the species like a Great Dane. They're going to grow older faster than a right. Pomeranian will. But yeah, general rule of thumb is when a dog reaches about seven years, seven, eight years old, it needs to be considered a senior citizen. And at that point, I actually recommend coming in twice a year. Exactly. Because as we get older, I know you're you're young and spry, but when you get old uh -huh, like me, very you got to go in and stay on top of things. You know, you want to catch things early because I really want to extend my use by date as long as I possibly can. And the way to do that is just stay on top of health issues, stay healthy. Totally. And I'm, I'm a big user of healthcare for myself and for my dogs. And my father's parrot, Ernie, that my brother inherited, because with many kinds of tortoises and definitely many kinds of birds, you have to have an inheritance plan because they outlive almost all humans, including my father, who was 102 when he died. Oh, but wow. I know. And that bird was sort of more or less by his side, but carefully because, you know, his skin was, was pretty fragile at that point. Uh, right to the end. But what about parrots? I mean, my father never, he, he had not the greatest attitude about medical care for the animals or that animal. And he never took it to the vet and gave it the wrong food. Like he would feed it buttered croissant from his table and Ugh. stuff. Just terrible stuff. Really, really vile and, and illness producing. And my brother has found a good exotic vet in Connecticut and takes Ernie there, uh, I guess, once a year, I hope. But what about birds and reptiles? Do they need an annual exam? Oh, I definitely think they do. I mean, you're talking about so such a diverse group here. Yes, of course. But like, for instance, I have, you know, I've talked about my bird, Simon, many times, and it's a green-winged macaw, and she'll live hopefully 70, 80 years, long outlive me. And bless her little heart, she doesn't realize it, but she gets a physical exam every single day. Because That's very during, cute. During That's the day, cute. she goes outside and lives in, on a porch 
so she can talk to all the wild birds and enjoy the view. And then at night I bring her in so she can spend time with me and my wife inside the house. And every time I pick her up at the end of the day, I put my hands completely on her. I check her legs. I check her breasts. I check her wings. I check her eyes. Um, she's such a gentle bird. I can open her mouth and I, I give her an exam every single day, probably excessive, but she's my sunrise and sunset. So wow. she doesn't have any problems. Now I bring that up because there are a lot of people that have birds, like let's say a, a parakeet or a cockatiel or a finch or a canary. Most people don't pick up their canary every day and handle it, right? No, definitely and not. And so doggone it, birds are covered with these beautiful feathers. They start to lose weight. You don't see it because they're hidden underneath all the feathers. That's why the exam is so important. Now, if an owner were to pick up their canary and run their hands over the bird and feel the chest bone, just like I do with my bird every day, they would be able to pick it up. But like you brought up the point about people with dogs in their teeth, most people don't look in their dog's mouth every day. right? certainly not their cat, definitely. Right. They they, they miss things. Mm -hmm. So you got a little bird like that. Yeah, you know, I know it's only a canary, but I still think it's a good idea to bring them in once a year for an exam. Nope. Okay, you don't have to do an x-ray every time. You don't have to do blood work every time. But at least bring them in for a weight and a good physical exam. And then if you find something abnormal, then talk to your veterinarian about doing some ancillary testing. But if you're not going to be physically handling, or this goes back to a podcast you and I did not too long ago about weighing your animals, it's right. not hard to weigh a little canary or a finch or a mouse. You know, you get a small scale and you weigh it, you just keep a little diary. And then when you start seeing changes in that weight, it should be fairly consistent. Just like you and I, as we age, our weight should be fairly consistent. That should be a little red flag. Oh, maybe I better take the little canary in to have the vet take a look at it and see why the weight's going down kind of a thing. Especially going yep. down. I mean, going yeah. up can be a sign of something too. Yep. I think it's it's really interesting because there we we all have an aversion to bad news, and denial is you know not just a river in Egypt, right? So we can all just say, "But my bird seems fine. So does my snake seem dandy? He just does his snake like thing, which isn't much depending on the breed of snake." And with dogs and cats, you also pointed out on our show, exotic pets that. When you see an animal every day, you don't see the changes because they're covered in fur, feathers, what have you. And so the, the changes may not be evident to you, whereas if you had a plan to go in once a year, a professional sees things and can find things that, that you can't. It's hard to encourage people to do it because they don't want bad news. I no, mean, I guess true. we go to the doctor. We don't expect always to be given a gold star. You're doing everything great, Mrs. McGillicuddy. See you next year. We're fearful of being told that our animal is fat, which is, you know, this epidemic of obesity. And we did a show on obesity on exotic pets, the Chonkasaurus snapping turtle in the Chicago River. But most people's cats and many, many dogs, you know, slightly or morbidly obese. And so we don't want that. We don't want to be given a tongue wagging about it. And yet, if we want them to live longer and live well, we we need to do those routine annual exams, what do you do with a snake? So you have a ball python. I'm just picking one of the snakes out of the air that yeah, I mean, that's the most popular one, Just like right? any other animal. We're going to come in. We're going to, we, you know, when I do my exams, I always look at the animal before I never, before I touch it. So if the owners are holding it, I just watch the animal on the owner and I look to see if the animal is alert, receptive, responsive, if it's depressed, um, 
you know, if, if it's loose in the room, I watch it move around the room. If it's a snake, I watch it, I watch it slither around the room, make sure it's, it makes sure it's locomoting properly. Really? Um, oh yeah. Um, if it's in a cage, then I watch it in the cage and see how it responds. I mean, most animals, if a stranger walks into a room, they're going to have some type of a, an acceptance response. Okay. Uh, or acknowledgement response. Right. It, it Maybe they hunker down. They may pick up their head up. If it's a snake, they may start tongue flicking. So you, you look for these subtle changes in behaviors. And behaviors, are, they speak a thousand words. Um, once a snake comes in, after I do my observation, I, I, as I'm doing my observation, I'm asking a zillion questions to the owner. How often do you feed it? What do you feed it? When did it shed? Did it shed completely? How do you house it? What's the humidity? What's the temperature? Wow. You know, photo period. So that's called a history. Um, so that's all part of my exam as well. Then I pick it up. I, I do the same kind of exam on a snake I would do on a dog. I look at the face. I look at the eyes. I look in the mouth. I look at the tongue. I, snakes don't have external ears, but I check the area of the internal ear. Um, I do a neurological test on them to make sure it's got normal neurological reflexes. I check the skin. I check the belly. I put my hands on it. I feel all the internal organs, feel for wow. nasty bumps, bumps. Um, some of these reptiles, I'll actually take a body temperature on them depending on where they're being kept. So they get a complete thorough exam. And then depending on what we find, we may do ancillary testing like blood tests, x-rays, ultrasounds, you know, depending on what needs to be done. So I, I'm not one of these veterinarians that says, okay, it's time for your 2000 mile exam on your snake. Here's a <laughs> list of 47 tests that we have to run for $3,000. I know there are people that do that. I, I don't subscribe to that. I try and tailor my recommendations based on what's in front of me and based on the owner's needs and requirements. And so not every exam is going to be the same. We may have to start out with the same outline, but we custom those to each individual pet. Depending on the age and wellness of the pet and also the financial status of the owner, as you said right. about Mr. Rockwell, money was no object. In fact, he wanted you to do as much as you possibly could. When, when I had my show, The Pet Cancer Vet with Sue Ettinger, she recommended that dogs have a chest x-ray every year to rule out the possibility of cancer. Well, for a minute and a half, I thought, yes, uh, you know, cancer, horrible, want to find out early. And then I thought, well, how many cancers are actually curable in dogs? They might be treatable, but not curable. And then I thought, yeah, we're well, exposing the dog to the x-ray machine, and then you have to tranquilize it maybe. And so for a minute and a half, I thought, oh, I'm going to be that vigilant person who does that. And then I thought, no, not less is more, but just moderation, as you said, unless you see something that calls attention, and I wouldn't see it, you as the vet would see it, then there's no reason to go the next step. But a belly ultrasound is really non-invasive and not particularly costly. And at least on dogs and cats, I don't know. You do ultrasounds, you were saying, on reptiles, right? Sure. And amphibians and avians, do, do birds get ultrasounds? They do. Uh, there, there can be a challenge because of the air sacs and ultrasound doesn't pass through air. But there's certain windows, we call windows, on the body where you can put the ultrasound next to the rib cage or between the ribs or in the axillary area. And you go through soft tissue so you avoid the air sac. And yeah, you can get good visualization of a bird's heart, their liver, all that stuff. Wow. So cool. We've run out of time, Dr. Doug Mater, but I just cannot urge enough people to buy The Vet at Noah's Ark. It's just a thoroughly delightful book and full of anecdotes that will teach you some of the things that 
that Dr. Dog teaches on exotic pets, and many wonderful people come on this show to teach you. You read a book with a great story, and you learn just as much. Thank you, Doug. Oh, you're very welcome. I hope you enjoyed the show. There's a few more special companies that make the show possible, and I hope you'll try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. I want to thank Wonderside, founded by a woman entrepreneur who discovered an effective natural way of using plant-powered products to repel fleas, ticks, and other parasites on our pets instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes it possible to protect your pets, children, and property without the chemicals that could be harmful to all of us. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and answer only to their own high standards. Finally, we're supported by Magic Fabric Pet Throws, developed by a husband-wife team whose expertise in the textile industry solved the problem of their big hairy dog, Molly, who got on the couch in bed with them, despite her wet fur, muddy paws, and shedding. Sound familiar? They created machine-washable Magic Fabric Pet Throws to trap pet hair, dirt, and moisture, letting you enjoy dog and cat cuddle time without sacrificing your clothes, furniture, or decor. You can buy direct from the creators at magicfabric.com.